What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Outside the Clutch, episode 24. Freaking 24 episodes. Outstanding. Super excited about that. Um, tonight's going to be kind of a special one for me. This is a guy that's done a lot to help me throughout the years and uh, just someone that kind of holds a dear spot in my heart um, and someone that continuously pushes me to be better, which... That's what we should all be doing. Uh, if you if you jumped onto my Facebook earlier, uh, I kind of made a couple of jabs at people throughout this week. Not not directly at people, but just like the people that don't want to upgrade or are just happy in their spot. And um, not saying that's not okay, but like when you're first starting out, you need that push. You need people to motivate you. You need to do all that good stuff. So um, yeah, that's exactly what our guest tonight has done. And when I've fallen on my butt or had issues, he's one of the people that's mentored me and really helped me back. So my way of giving back to him is kind of this and sharing him with you guys because he's got a lot of great information. He's got um, just a love for everything he does, which is why I hold him up. And he was, uh, we'll, we'll get to it, but he, he was being a little butt hurt on himself. So we're going to pull him out of that shit tonight. Um, <laughs> but uh I couldn't do what I do right now without the help of one, you guys, like you guys are helping drive all of this and it's really amazing. I, I appreciate you all so, so much. Uh, Tom, I see you guys. I love you guys. I hope Otto's doing well. Um, I know he just finished his second round, so hopefully, hopefully everything's going well. I, I've been a very bad uncle. And I haven't gotten the formula out. So it came out, or I sent it out, came back one time. Why, I don't know. I have to send it out again. I'll get it out. Um, I'll get it out Monday, I guarantee. Just shoot me a message, please. Eric Smore Factory, what's up? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming in. Jose, grab your balls. That's my dude. That's my dude. Jose's, Jose's a real one. 808 Ball Pythons, what's good? Thank you for dropping in. Um so let's jump into our sponsors. If you guys know, we're sponsored by VivTech. VivTech's an amazing company started by Ryan and Erica McVeigh. Um, they've taken their passion for husbandry and just the reptile industry in general and have started a company for us to expand our husbandry practices. They have everything from like snake bags to your sensors so that you can monitor the humidity and the temperature and all that good stuff to your uh, UVA, UVB bulbs, which a lot of reptiles, even though they say they might not need them, we're finding benefits in that stuff, right? So it's it's awesome to have those products. And uh, they they have a meter as well so that you can maintain it. Only freaking company that I trust with like my major husbandry stuff besides my thermostats right and uh if you use our code which is f clutch 0322 you get 15 percent off which is a huge freaking deal better than just getting tax off and uh we we want to let you guys know anything that you do order under that code the profits from that don't go to me that goes to us arc it's uh it's my give back to us arc for everything that they do to us so my profits from that code don't go to me at all. Um, I was going to do it just till Arlington. I decided that anything that comes from VivTech is going to US Arc. That's 
that's one of the things that I want to do. And I want to make sure that it goes directly to them to help out as much as possible. Um, as well as Reptichip. So locally, locally, I have become the new uh, representative, the only representative that El Paso has ever had. I, I actually kind of feel bad about it because I, I stole a little bit of our guests business, but it's taking care of the people because they don't have to pay shipping now. And I, I don't know, I'm confused about it, but uh, I'm excited to be with the Reptichip team. Um, if you're not local to El Paso, Texas, I cannot sell to you, but I can help you out with a code and that's Feely Chipping and you get 10% off of two blocks through the website if you do not live where I live. As And then our third sponsor is Show Me Snakes. Show Me Snakes is with Mickey. Mickey is putting on a great freaking show. I'm really enjoying what he's doing. I'm going to plan to travel out and go to the other shows, not just our local show here and really uh, become part of that family. And I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from that. So without further ado, uh, all the information for all our sponsors will end up down in the description below, but it's about our guest tonight. I'm excited to have this guy on. Like I said, he's been, he's been a mentor, a great friend, a brother. Uh, I finally got some snakes in from him uh, last year. Super excited once those can get into play, but uh, let's give a big welcome to the man of the hour, Mr. Chris McDougal of Snake and Stein. How you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you? That was you? long-winded, man. Wow. Uh, you're good. I know how it goes. That's why I, that's why I asked you. <laughs> I, I get going sometimes, and all of a sudden, it's three hours later. I, I always joke that when people oh, come to my bad, house, man. it's a time warp because you show up, and it's it, It's better when you um, make a list for yourself, but I refuse to do that shit. <laughs> I like to ad-lib it. You know what I mean? It, it's always better to do it on the in the moment. You, you catch, oh, yeah. you, catch you get the people. general reaction that way. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. It's and not, if not, you could just get. Uh, oh crap! I didn't mark that one. Well, I guess there's just going to be a lot of this tonight. But uh, <laughs> the horrible factory settings on a soundboard. Yeah. Well. But uh. So, bro, let's let's kind of dive into it. You've had you've had quite a few years of experience. What what started you in, and why did you choose ball pythons of all the species that you could have chosen? All right, <laughs> um, there's not really a short version. Uh, I got my first ball python in 1998 um, as a pet. Uh, I had a cow king and a regular corn snake as well at the time. So I was kind of doing the whole, what will my parents let me have? And what do I like experiment, so to speak? Um, and unfortunately, um, back in 1998, heck, just in the 90s in general, most ball pythons at that time were imports. They weren't, right. they weren't bred and raised by keepers that care about them and uh the little dude that i got um came with not only a respiratory infection but had an internal he wasn't fully developed uh his stomach didn't fully connect after absorbing the yolk or something so he had like a small tear to where he was leaking into himself and then on top of all of that he ended up with 
a rare skin disease where his skin just started peeling from his body. So here I am, God, how old was I? 15, 14, 15. And I'm going through this experience and most people probably would have shied away from it because of, I mean, I've spent probably $2,000 in vet bills just to try and keep the little dude alive. And he lived for three months mm. and there was no live, you know, there couldn't take it. Couldn't go back and ask for the pet store to help or anything. It was a done deal. So fast forward to, I think it was like later that fall of 98. And I was, uh, working at that pet at a different pet store and they were going up to pick up an import shipment and asked if I could come and help and inventory and just sort through ball pythons and, and get them ready to go to various places or whatever. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. sounds great. And so, um, we go up there and there's, I think six or eight total businesses represented and they each had like two or three people with them to help go through this shipment, which was probably, I'll say 200. It might not have been, but it felt like the bags just never ended. And I mean, there was just, 20 quart tubs stacked everywhere and there was five to 10 15 baby ball pythons in these tubs and so at the end of the day we got done sorting it all and we got back to the to the shop and we were getting them all treated and get them sorted sorted for quarantine and all that stuff and this one just stuck out to me like just stuck out stuck out the problem was the rule was it had to be on the display floor for 90 days before an employee could buy it and it pissed me off, like to no end. And so as it should. Yeah. And so about three weeks go by and uh, we're getting them all the vet comes and gives them all a look over. You know, we hadn't seen any external parasites. So we did a stool sample on all of them. All The ones that came back with issues, we continued treating the ones that didn't have anything. We then marked as they would be ready for the show floor. Because back then, quarantine wasn't even really anything thought about. As soon as you cleared bill of health. They can right. go off to a home. It was just, yeah, they were just looked yeah. at as a product at that point. It wasn't right. an animal. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, this one, I just fallen head over heels with. And uh, I did my damnedest to hide her note card um, saying that she still needed to stay in quarantine. Because I figured if I could keep her in quarantine for two months, then she'd only be on the show floor for maybe two, three weeks. Right. And I'll have a better shot at buying her. And the owner came in and was doing his inspections and checking over everything. He's like, this group needs to go. They've been cleared for two to four weeks or whatever. And I'm like, and so we get her out there. That next day I came in, I told the assistant managers, like, I'm buying this snake today. I don't care what he says. I'm buying this snake today. So she was like, I, I don't have a problem with that. I know you'll take good care of it. And she, she hooked me up basically and broke the rule. And it was one of the very few times I ever kind of took advantage of that. I still have that snake today. Oh yeah. And that's, that's what, awesome, that's, that's kind of what drives so much is it's like, you know, it's 2022. That was 24 years ago. How much has changed in 24 years? How much more husbandry information, how much more care, how much more, you know, just as a general, do we have now versus then? And especially knowing that she was directly from Africa. So she's one of three that I have, I have one that's from South Africa. I have one that was an import. I don't remember which region off the top of my head. And then I have her. And I believe she came from Benign. 
if I'm, if I remember correctly, but I didn't get the all the paperwork went to the owner, so that way he could file right. taxes and all that shit. So, um, but I'm pretty sure the she came from benign because the group from Togo looked like crap, straight up looked like like they should have already shed and had a couple meals, but hadn't. <laughs> like it was like, dude. But you know, looking back at it now, the craziest thing that that always jumps out to me is looking back at that now, there was probably yellow belly or at least yellow belly complex, you know, sparks, asphalt, gravels. Right. In that group, there was probably an OD or something similar to OD. Uh, I mean, I know there was pastels in there, but they were just called, you know, high yellows back then. The the craziest thing, and people don't believe me, and it's okay. I, I, don't, I don't have anything to back it up. I mean, this is 1998. I could take a Polaroid picture and people would be like, oh, it's faded, it's whatever. Right. But... I swear to you, I held a tri-stripe that was imported. And it was just called a striped ball python. You know, so there's just, when you look back at stuff, and this is the part that always gets me going, is the history. The amount of history behind the species itself. Not, not right. just where it's going. Yes, where it's going is obviously very important. But the history of where it came from. You know, people paying... 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 dollars for this black and white or this really crappy Polaroid picture that gets mailed to them and then they send money over to get this snake that they hope makes it alive. They hope. They hope. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like I think it was And that it was a lot different back then, man. Like there oh, were, yeah. you were throwing fifty thousand dollars in hopes of a live yeah. animal, hopes that yeah. Whatever your eye caught actually proved out to be something. And 99% of the time it didn't. And then you're just sitting there like, well, I just lost 50K on nothing. Well, yes and no, though, because and on the flip side, once it started to turn in the early 2000s, and you couldn't find adult females ever because everybody needed them to breed their pinstripes and their pastels and their spiders and all of that too. So nobody was letting females go, you know, and it was like, we were talking about earlier recessives, the amount of recessives that are just out there floating around because people don't realize they have it or haven't thought about doing something. They just look at a normal, I'm like, man, that's a really funky normal. Well, yeah, it's probably head expression of something. Which one right. of the 30 some odd recessives it is? Who knows? But brother to sister one time is not going to hurt anybody. Just saying. So the passion came from pet stores. What what made you dr decide that I'm going to go IT with my career and then all my free time, I'm going to just clean up snake poop and make snake babies? <laughs> So, well, I guess not all your free time. We'll get to the other stuff that you breed too, but you so, know where it's going. No, you're good. So, um, I graduated high school in 02. I started college in 03. Uh, I originally went to college for a uh, degree in biology, specifically okay. in herpetology. And back then, there wasn't a huge field in need. And so what ended up happening is the University of Arizona ended up canceling that portion, saying that they would they'd worked out credits so you could go move to a different state, but not pay out of state tuition. 
they would they worked out a deal if you wanted to continue you could go to school there well at the time it was northern or it was in washington state or in texas and i was like i just moved i just i just signed a one-year lease i i can't no and so i was already working part-time at domino's at the time and it just became one thing after another i started off as just a weekend pizza maker like that's all i did just make pizzas and then I became assistant manager, then I became a manager, then I became a supervisor, then I got to the role I'm in today. And uh, that that role kind of forced itself just due to the evolution of drive for business being so technology driven on the backside. Uh, there's just so many things that, it doesn't eliminate employment on our end from that aspect, but it allows consumer interaction interfaces to run more smoothly so long as the equipment in the stores is working like it's supposed to be, i.e. my job. <laughs> so there you go. There's a nutshell of 20 years of history for two things. <laughs> <laughs> so you decided that you wanted to do herpetology. You lost the ability to do said thing. Went into pizza IT. You must really like pizza, man. Like you must really like pizza at this point. Well, when I was in high school, I worked the mom and pop pizza place too. So yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And then you decided, well, all my free time, I'm going to breed ball pythons because I have the love for herpticulture. Um, it was probably, let's see here. I always get this timeline off by about a year. Um, but it was probably, between 03 and 08, I had what would be considered the smorgasbord of, I, I live on my own, I can collect whatever I want. So I literally bought one of every, literally one of everything. I had, I had two pairs of tiger salamanders at one point. I had a Burmese python, I had a red-tailed boa, I had a savannah monitor, I had a water dragon. I mean, I had everything, like I one side of the house, of my apartment to the other was just lined with cages and reptile decor. And then in the middle was my TV and a futon. So when, so, yeah, when did it go from just, I want to keep everything and have my own personal zoo. to I want to turn it into a hobby business. So it always cracks people up. But the one, the ball python that got me really hooked on genetics and got to look at the time frame. but the one that got me just completely hooked was a killer clown, super pastel clown. And I was like, man, to make that one day would just be phenomenal. Right, and so right. then I started doing homework on what it would take and this, that, and the other. And I was like looking at prices of clowns and I was like, or maybe not. So then I was like, well, what I could do is I could probably just start breeding some of the stuff I already have and save the money from those to buy those and work my way to making those. And so it (laughs) kind of just produced itself. And so in, I think it was 2007 was the first year I had two clutch or two. It was two clutches. And I hatched my first set of normals and pastels <laughs> but i didn't have a hard time selling any of them and right. i in turn ended up buying 
a bunch of other stuff because then I started getting more more fascinated with all the genes that had been found at that point. And this is pre-morph market. This is this is world Those of all King Snake days or like actual King forums Snake. without King Snake. No, it was King Snake. It was King okay. Snake for me. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm an old school King Snake guy, but. It was World of Ball Python that did me in back when they actually could keep up with the demand of everything. Now there's just so much stuff that nobody could keep up unless you're literally doing it 24 7, 365. Because there's well, I mean, even with world. that, man, like you, you got to look at it. There, there's some of the morphs. If oh yeah, they're wrong. I, I guess it's it's safe to say this now. Me and Sean Bradley are doing a joint project where we go through every morph. Right. And we're going to talk to the founder of the morph and bring the history out. But there's so many morphs in there where there's like there's very little difference. Or if you look at like super forms, it really looks like it's something else or someone in another country renames it to something else to try to sell it. But um, I'm not going to get on the specifics yet because I don't want to stir any feathers. But I have a gene that I'm working with that I've named that I am 99.9% sure is another existing gene. The only reason why I had to give it a different name is A, that community basically told me to go fuck myself. And B, several other breeders said, well, that gene's pretty much dead. Save yourself the embarrassment of calling it that. Is that the one that we were talking about last time I was there? uh, Might be. I have two that I believe are something that's existing already. Your, your project that wasn't named on the labels, but you're like, I, I think this is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of okay. the two, but yeah. So that's one thing that's wrong with the hobby as a whole is, oh, hang on, is not only, <clears throat> yes, lineage is important. Being able to document that you purchased X animal from the original breeder and he just didn't know that that was what he was working with at the time. Cool. Here's a perfect example. I have the Canyon gene. It's a gene that is most likely related to something that came out of Arizona. And I'm going to leave it at that. And it came from what I purchased as a lesser platinum, which is just a lesser today, but it's a lesser platinum. And so when I first bred her, I bred her to make Lucy's and she threw this baby that looked a lot like her. I was like, "Huh, that's different. That's that's cool. Okay, I'm gonna keep him." Well, either the original male or the original mom is that cryptic. <laughs> now I can call it cryptic without the community losing their mind. But I try to call it something that I believe this gene is the incomplete dominant gene, and you don't have lineage there. Right. I probably do. I bought this snake in Arizona. The original breeder was from Arizona. I bought him from an expo. Like, it's close enough (laughs) for some people. And I'm like, dang. But it's all good. It's all good. I'm not, it's just, it just. I'm just, I'm saying because both the things I picked up with you have clown lineage in them. I'm just hoping that miraculously popped into my stuff somehow. I'm just saying. Hey, you know, there, there's a, uh, I forget how it's said, but uh, produce an amazing animal, but over deliver on the genetics. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm already, 
I'm super happy with what I have. So if cryptic pops up in that, I'm going to like drive the four hours and just kiss you on the mouth in front of Renee and piss her off, but <laughs> she won't it'll be, be worth it. Be totally worth it. <laughs> but um, no, I, 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 I try to reach out to everybody and it's, and I know for some people it's frustrating to do this. They're like, God dang, I got to tell somebody else again. I was wrong or I was incorrect on what I sold them. I was like, but in this, in this specific case, it's like, well, actually I sold you a hat. I didn't know I had. So you have some 50% POS hats. You have some 66% POS hats. Cool. Good, you know, just so they are aware that way they don't get a Krypton clutch in the future and be like, bro, you sold me a head clown. Like what the hell? But I haven't, <laughs> this is the first year I've paired clown to that project. So, well, trying to, so I know for a fact, my cryptic is I have pure cryptic. And I want to try and keep it that way. That way I can try and explore. I have nothing against Kryptons. Absolutely nothing. I think they're beautiful. They're badass. There's some crazy combos. And there's some stuff I definitely want to do with it. But for the most part, I'm going to try and keep most of my Cryptic clean towards Cryptic cryptic combos. Now, especially since one of my project clutches is quite literally wrapped around Cryptic. So last year I hatched a Cypress, Lesser, Yellowbelly, possible project gene, 50% hat Cryptic now. <laughs> and I kept two of them, so both females. So in a couple of years, I'll be able to figure out which one's got the cryptic tagged along. Because it was only a four or five egg clutch. So theoretically, I kept half. One of the two should. That's crazy. But, but here's the kicker. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. The male that produced this clutch that produced all these cryptics, he's... 11 years old. The female that produced the clutch, she's 13 years old, going on 14. So the age of cryptic, of course, everything's older than we realize. It's just when we first discovered it's been there forever. We just haven't found it until X. Right. And I think so many people get hung up on the fact that, well, it wasn't first found until 2010. How do you have animals that are older than that? I don't know here. Do you want to hold a cryptic? Like, what do you, I don't know what to tell you. You want like, me to show you it's hatchling pictures? <laughs> right. It's like, and I can do it too. And it's time stamped because one of the, the male was Renee's birthday present. Oh so, man. Like I can That's prove pretty... the male's age and I have a picture of the female from like 2011 and she looks like she's every bit of eight, 9,000 grams. So she's not a baby. You know, and it's like, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, every year I found something, like just something extra that I didn't know was there. Last year it was pie, just randomly. I'm going to just test my theory on this pastel leopard. Sure enough, she's had pie. Wasn't bought that way. But so it's like this year it was the cryptic. And I'm like, okay, what's next? What What's the next? Good stuff happens to good people. I've been saying <laughs> it since it started, since I started promoting this video. You're a good dude. Good stuff happens to good people. Even though sometimes you make silly mistakes and hit stuff. Hey, it happens to the best of us. Let me tell you. Um, so funny story. I told Chris before this because I, I, as you guys know, Chris, Chris had a little spill earlier. Well, I had a spill like two nights ago. Um, he was having fun in Vegas and you know what? That's what you get for going to Vegas without me. I'm just going to say that, 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 that was the payback for going to Vegas without me, even though it was a work thing. I understand. And I forgive you. But, uh, so 
my, my lazy butt at two o'clock in the morning I'll tell decided this. that I wasn't going to get the ladder to check the stuff on top. And I was just going to use my rolly chair that I'm sitting in right now. Well, I reached too far when the rolly chair was like in the center of the rack, even though I have like ridiculously long arms, I should have been fine. And, uh, the chair came out from under me. I almost put the chair into my incubator. I, uh, the black rack right here is what I grabbed onto. I hit my head on the corner of the metal rack. I almost pulled the top black rack down onto me. It was a very eventful, like five seconds. And then I just look up and like force the black rack right where it was supposed to go. And I'm like, my head really hurts. This is not good. <laughs> Everyone's asleep. I need to do concussion protocol on myself. Like, like it's really going to work because I know what I'm about to do. So you can't do it. Anyways, medical background. Um, so I just lay there and like self-loathe on myself. Like, you're so stupid. I can't believe you just freaking did that. But uh, yeah, man, like good things happen to good people. And sometimes when you're not paying attention, sometimes bad things happen to good people too. So it is what it is. But you have a bunch of cool stuff popping up. And I'm going to attribute that to who you are in the community, how you care for people because there's there's a numerous amount of people that you have helped um with rats with stuff going on with their reptiles like me myself personally you helped me with rats when i lost everything and i i can't thank you enough for that i've boomed back ridiculously from that so thank you very much um but that's just that's kind of who you are where i know you're gonna say like some humble stuff but like where, where did that mindset come for you where it's like okay if if i'm able to help i'm gonna help like no ifs ands or buts i'm gonna help uh life short and a uh, little little piece of intermittent history for me is i actually worked as a corrections officer for two years in maximum security and the amount of things that an inmate would do to get what they needed done. Now, I'm not saying that this is where that came from, but when you look at the brotherly love on the opposite side for those in badge and honor and uniform, they would do the same. And so it's kind of like the same thing with any military service is once you have someone's back, you always have their back. And for me, Personally, and it kind of is corny, but the reptile community, their brothers, their sisters, their family, even if I've never met them, um, I hope to meet them someday because I want to thank them for taking the time to learn and care for their animal appropriately. Because that, at the end of the day, that's all we are as a breeder. We're just the gateway to allowing somebody to have the most amazing experience that they never knew possible from something cold-blooded. I like that though. I told you it was going to be a super humble thing. <laughs> oh. No, that's good. No, I, I, I really do like it. The funny thing too is, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, but the reptile industry is made up in a huge part of veterans. Well, I think it's, yeah. it's probably becoming more visual now, but like even a lot of the old timers, like minus like the founders that were like smuggling stuff in. Cause obviously right. if they got cut with that, 
their career would have been over, right? But um, like the early first like popular generation that decided they were gonna make money off of this, a lot of those guys have military backgrounds or military roots in some aspect. So it's it's funny that see, and I didn't even know that. I, like I never knew you worked as a CEO. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of people. I don't, I don't talk about it much, um, for various reasons. Uh, right. the experience is the wrong word. Um, the environment working in maximum security and the, the bigger part of what I was doing while there was mental health and having those discussions is not easy for some. Uh, others don't want to have it because they might have background in something similar and it triggers. So it's one of those pieces that I just leave alone um, and let the reptile world consume that void because there's there's stuff from that that I don't want to remember. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've always I've always preferred when coming home from a long day at work or having a rough week, I'll just come in here and I'll grab three or four of them and I'll put one around my shoulder. I'll hold one on my arm. I'll let the other one slither across the table. Like, I don't care. They're in here. They're not going anywhere. They can't hurt themselves. This room is a reptile room. They can't hurt themselves. They can't do anything. So they can do whatever they oh, want. Yeah. In their room. So, um, and that's just always, it's always been that way for me. It's like, like my living room when I was in college, it literally was a reptile room from the front door to the patio. Like my bedroom was my bedroom, but actually not to lie. My Savannah monitor was in there. So like, can't i can't not have reptiles like i still have leopard geckos that i just chill with we were going to try we were going to breed them a couple years ago i think we got a couple clutches going or whatever and then it wasn't really our thing we just enjoy the species so we stopped and we just keep leopard geckos we have six that are just pets nothing against those that breed leopard geckos it just wasn't something we got the no you get you got to find your niche right yeah you find what you enjoy doing that way if you clutch if you hatch you hatch a clutch jesus of normals you're not upset at the world like shit happens okay cool i got i got babies man i don't care if they're normal to you i just no no i I just think it's you're making me feel bad because it's like uh the last video i was like well i didn't get the odds i wanted i only got one that i was trying to hit but hey whatever from breeder to breeder 100 i get you like i absolutely understand that but me I get it. Like I got, I got albinos nipping right now, yeah. and I was like, "Hell yeah, they're albinos!" But I'm like tickled purple because I'm hatching babies. I'm gonna be holding in two days. Like that's all I care about. Give me a healthy baby, because then I get to spend the next three, four weeks getting them feeding and doing all that fun stuff. So, like, yes, what they are genetically. It, it sounded bad, man. One hundred percent. It sounded bad what I just said, but I do. Like I, I one hundred percent agree with you. No, no, it's and not. And just to see him, like, see him come out, see him go through the shed process, and then watch. I don't know. It, it completes the life cycle, man. And it's yeah. so cool to watch every time, regardless then, of what it and is. And then it gets even more rewarding when it's animals that you produced. If it's a female you produced and the male's not, and then the next year it's both. And then the year after that, it's a kid to an animal you produced from one of the other two. That's when it's like, dude. Like you just like you can start talking lineage to people and have those conversations of how this animal's <clears throat> genetics have always thrown extreme expression or have always been 
beast feeders or a lot of that stuff that so many people don't think is hereditary, but it is. I know for a fact there, there's a clutch that I get every year or every other year when she goes. She can give me some massive babies and they won't eat for the first nine to 12 days after they shed. It's weird. It's, it's weird, isn't it? It's anywhere from 91 to 103 grams. They're not hungry. They, they can start on weaned rats tomorrow, but they're not hungry. And it's like, okay, cool, whatever. I know the first year, it like threw me through a loop because I couldn't get them to eat. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And then all of a sudden one day, it was like the light bulb turned on. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. I'll go ahead and eat. And then like they just blew up because they're already big babies to start with. It's like right. they come out and it's like they have a 15 or 20 gram belly full of milk and yolk that they're still absorbing. They don't need to eat yet. Whereas the little guys that come out at 60 grams, they're only got like five grams in that stomach. It's going to be gone in three days. But anyway, that's the part it's that gets funny, me man. going is when you start, because you can start comparing you know, clutch sizes of babies, hatchling sizes, 55 to 65 gram babies. They're going to eat 95% of the time that first time you try. Stuff that's smaller than that, you're probably going to have to assist feed or give them a hopper mouse because they're just not going to touch a rat. Stuff that's 65 to 70 grams, they're just going to plow through food. 75 to 80 grams, 50-50. Anything over 80 grams, probably not going to take the first meal. Like, you can just start seeing it and projecting it out. But here I am in here feeding. I'm like, yeah, they're not going to eat tonight, but I'm still here feeding you. Here, eat this. And they strike at me and get all pissy. And I'm like, oh, look at you. You're so cute. You knocked yourself over. You know, and it's like, <laughs> oh, you're big and mean, but you're not going to eat your dinner. Okay. A lot of people, though, man, like even even the shape of their head. So I've this is something I've been noticing in my babies and I haven't had a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. I've only hatched. I think I'm at I'm at like 60 babies total in my career. Right. Uh, Yeah. Keep laughing. It's okay. No, no. (laughs) I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I don't care. You everyone starts somewhere like it is what it is. That's right. I'm good with it. But um, I've. So a couple of my females went two years in a row. They get next year off because I just I don't want to push them that hard. Yep. And uh, I watched their first clutch, how it reacted. I watched their second clutch. Well, there's this one girl that just like all her babies come out with like stupid big heads. I don't know why. <laughs> like it looks like you put Is a mom- subadult's head on a brand new hatchling, right? And um, when they do it. They go for their first meal. It's like they barely open their mouth and it's just down and it's ridiculous, but that they eat like all the babies from that clutch that I kept back are, I think they're, they're not even a year old yet. I don't think, I think, yeah, October's, October's going to be their one year. Right. And these snakes are probably twice the size of any other snakes that I've hatched out so far. Like they're just, they're ridiculously big, which is cool. But then you have the ones that like, you see like the bumps just aren't formed or it's like, they almost didn't get the nutrition, you know, it's it's not like a shark mouth or anything like that. They're just, they got little heads right? and you see them struggle for a while. And it's just, just a little indiscrepancies like that, man. And you're going to get it because it's animals, but it's just like, noting that and being like well maybe i don't want to put that pair together maybe if i throw another male that has the same genetics that way or something maybe it's the mom 
unfortunately. Like, you know it, what I mean? But it can be. And, you know, and sometimes it's just the pairing itself. It's just the two animals themselves. Head poofs. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, it's just, it. it's crazy how much it varies. And even without, like, um, even without disorders or stuff like that, like, or even within, oh, what, what's it called? The, the polymorphism within a genetic, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have, I have multiple babies with the same genetic, but it's like the variance is crazy. And it's always from the same parents. I'm like, I, I did the same pairings as last year just to see the variance. Well, some of these, right. And it's just like, why are these so much more vibrant? And these ones look like absolute turds or why, why is the same pairing producing like, complete different ends of the spectrum as far as like business or colors and all like it's crazy to me but that's what well, makes it, it but, fun man john think of it like this look at od yeah look how much it took ozzy look how many years and years kevin mcclurry told him to go fly a kite it's just a dirty normal or a pretty normal because kevin didn't see it we're going way back but kevin didn't see it and Ozzy cleaned it up and cleaned it up and cleaned it up. And now he's got two lines because he cleaned it up so much. That's really what it is. It's the Ozzy line versus the standard line of OD. Right. Because. Well, it's like, yeah. And it's like um, when I had Tom on, he was talking about what he looks for in his black pastel now and why he keeps it and why it's brought out those oranges. Now, granted, a lot of it was mixed with OD, so he knew it. it right. Well, he didn't officially know at the start, but like everyone was telling him, dude, it's doing crazy stuff with the oranges and these snakes. You need to keep that. Yeah. And uh, thankfully he listened and he wasn't even supposed to get that black pastel. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Like Ozzy let him get that snake from an import freaking insane man freaking yep. insane but like yeah line breeding i think it's super important i don't think we do it enough in ball pythons i really don't um like just even my my main mentor with um earl from lone star like the lsr fire and how he's cleaned that up where it looks like almost a co-dominant dg at this point that is freaking pretty line breeding produced this this was brother to sister. And she's got a very fat belly. She just ate last night. So I'm not going to fuck with her too much. But it, it, that's striping. That just, eye striping. Oh, that's cryptic, she'll, isn't it? Yeah, this is my cryptic project. You would pull the cryptic out in front of me. That's messed up, bro. I got a female, bro. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty, too. But you have to you have to believe in what you see. Don't think of it, and it gets hard because you you hatch something like that, and you're like super excited. Maybe maybe it's not the cryptic part, but it's something that's just as visually stunning, and you're super stoked, and you want to just scream it from the rooftops. But sometimes it's better to just sit there with your little project, hold on to it work a few generations into it just to verify what you're seeing 
is it in fact just some weird polymorphism? I did that a couple of clutches this year where I was just like, you know, I just want to double check something and just rule it out genetically. And it did. It got ruled out. It wasn't anything. It was literally just a polymorphism was extreme example on this baby. And it was just a really pretty normal that had this weird jagged pattern. I was like, okay, cool. No problem. Because I know I'm almost certain that it didn't come from dad. So I figured it came from mom. So as long as dad doesn't throw anything funky in the next set of clutches, I'll be fine. So let's talk some strategy, like how, how your mind thinks about it. Cause everyone takes a different approach, right? So whether you're working, uh, incomplete dominant or a uh, recessive, like what, what's your strategy when you're getting ready to work one of your projects as far as like, okay, well, this is what I want to keep back. Chris is like, I don't want to give my secrets out right now. I don't even no. know. If, I have no strategy. That's why I'm laughing. I keep no. everything. No. So my, my strategy is I breed for myself. Uh, I, I hope to produce animals that the siblings become desirable. So if I produce something and someone's like, man, I want to be able to make that or I want that, then that's that's what I hope for is to be able to make an animal that makes somebody go, I want that. Um, I want that animal. And then the other it's part worked. of it, too, is I want that person to want an animal from me. So it's a two it's a it's a, a two factor piece. If I haven't right. done my job to get them to want an animal from me, it doesn't matter if I'm hatching Pompeys. You can you can sit on a Pompeii if you're. Well, I mean, eventually, customers. eventually that job's gonna be done, and you get to go full time. And I'm I'm scared for everybody else once you get to go full time because <laughs> you, you got a great eye for stuff. Well, it, it's so, and this is this is going back to kind of the beginning, where there's a piece of history that's been lost, because we're in the show it to me now attitude. And I'm not, I'm not going to go down that slope, but you have to realize that we're in that. So people don't understand that this is a bell complex gene. This is a yellow belly complex gene. This does this. This is the reaction that this 99.9% .9 of the time always does. Like this is what you're looking for. If you don't have this, then the snake does not have that. And so if people can't ID what they're doing, they get frustrated with it too quickly. And part of it is because we, and I will throw myself in here too, as breeders have not done a good enough job displaying and showcasing what the attributes are for certain things. Like Justin does, he's got it licked, hands down, kills when he does a clutch reveal or an update on a project because he starts with what? The basic gene. And goes over the characteristics of the basic gene. Then shows it with one gene added. Then another gene added. Oh, here's the combo I'm talking about with yellow belly added or whatever. And all of a sudden, you've got this visual representation of all of it. Like That's why this cryptic clutch is just absolutely killer for me. is Because I actually got exactly that. I got my project gene in a single gene. Single gene cryptic and a cryptic with my gene. I can literally show... For like the odds don't ever work that way for me. It's usually like, right. no, you get one badass snake, and then the rest are cool. And I'm like, like that puzzle. 
the puzzles yeah. that finally popped out. I I remember last year where you were so excited. I went over there and you're like, I got like, I think it was what two or three pairings last year for puzzle, like potentially one. visual puzzle. It was only one. I only got one. Oh I man. One pair. Of, of well, I don't know why I thought it was a couple, and I was like, I remember at the end of the year, you're like, I got a lot of cool possible head stuff. Yep. And then you hit it this year, and dude, I was I was so freaking happy for you, like. You you didn't even like put a video out or anything, which I I totally would have expected. You just put a picture, and I could hear your excitement in the text, and that shows true freaking passion. Maybe it's just because I've talked to you enough, I know what's coming out of your mouth. But it was like, oh, I'm so happy for this dude. But well, here's the thing, on the video. So this year's been tough, beyond tough. Last year ended tough from a lot of different standpoints, from a breeding aspect and a couple other things too it was just a tough way to end the year it was a good year but it was a tough way to end the year and then we started off the year with arlington which always is always like that pick you up and it just carries you till the rest till the end of the year like till the next arlington it just but this year the arlington did its thing and i was like i have i have a stack of papers i don't know where they are right now that's kind of weary that i've worked out on all kinds of stuff that i want to work on and this that and the other that i was going to start launching in may I was going to start doing some more videos, start working on some stuff that I just, I've always wanted to do. I just never made, forced myself to make time to do it. And I was like, nope, this year, this is going to happen. And I was like, as soon as we get back, I was like, no, I'm going to need to push off till June because I know we have this trip coming up, going to Vegas. If I go and start it now, there's going to be like a week to 10 day gap. And some of them are like sequential videos where it's like part one, two, three. And then there's a follow-up to, a, to a, not a part four, but a live type deal. It works it into. So I was like, no, I can't do that because then I'll leave them. Q&A hanging. segment, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I'll leave them hanging for like two, three weeks. That's not fair. So I was like, no, I'll start working on them when we get back from Vegas. I, I literally almost never came back from Vegas. So everything this year from essentially April till a couple weeks ago, has has had me feeling like I'm behind three months. Like whatever I, I touch. You are, bro. I think I think that was a. Uh, I don't know what your beliefs are, but um, I think that was God saying, "Hey, you just need to take it's, a breather for a second. You're doing it's the second. It's the second. You're doing time. too much. Take a second. It's take a second. breath, bro. And it's all good. It happens to all of us. But I'm I'm very well, happy. You came out of it. I was telling Renee, I don't care. Like, whatever you guys need, I'm going to make that four and a half hour trip every weekend if need be. Like, I, I love y'all. And that's just, that was my way because I I didn't want to think about it. So I reached out to Renee, like, right away. And I was like, if you need me, freaking get a hold of me. I'm not going to watch the updates or anything like that until he's back and talking because I can't right now. But um, yeah, it, it was, it was tough. Uh, there was a there was a point in time where I was the most depressed I have ever been in my entire life because I hadn't stepped foot in this room for almost a seven week period. Not saying that these guys were neglected for seven weeks. I right. hadn't laid eyes on them. I hadn't touched them. I hadn't scraped their poop. I hadn't collected their sheds. And it literally I wobbled in here and my son opened the tubs, dropped them down so I could pick the snake up and do something because him and he was basically taking care of water and making sure everything was good, taking care of feedings and 
everything else while I was not able to do it. And just just so it's out there, the story sucks. And no one's ever going to believe it, but I have eyewitnesses that this is the way it went. For the most part, there's a couple gaps because literally I turned the corner and that was when it happened. Um, we were in downtown Vegas. It was the last night of our business trip. And we always go to downtown Vegas to have a couple drinks and just let loose a little bit. Nothing crazy, just good time. Um, I was a beer and a half ish in. And I was like, no, I'm gonna go Late hit that. Wait, man. Late wait. <laughs> and so I w- I get up from the, the the bar, go to use the restroom, walk up the ramp, hang the left. Five days later, I wake up in the hospital with a shattered face. It's okay. I, I uh, make make your face jokes all the time. Uh, it's my way of the humor is the faster healer. If you if you think about the negativity too long, it makes you negative. It, it creates negative environment, negative space. And I'm not I, I'm not a negative person. I've never been well at negativity. So, um, which is why she made my son help me in here because she knew that I was getting to the point where the depression was going to get so bad. Because literally, if I'm not in this room three days a week, I'm not happy. That's awesome. <laughs> That's just that that intensifies like that. It shows the passion that you have. Like you guys have a lot going on with the kids. I think your son just graduated this year too, didn't he? Or he just no, he, turned twenty one or something in. like that. No, he's a, he's tenth grade. Or tenth grade. Okay. He turned sixteen. He's old enough, though. That's what it was. It, it was his sixteenth birthday. I remember it was like a milestone event this year. It's coming up. I well, remember coming. exactly what it was. Yeah. Well, uh, not ready for that. <laughs> not ready. It, you'll be good. You'll be good, Dad. All right. <laughs> oh man. So, did it? Let, let's jump into a, a little bit with with Renee, right? Like Renee obviously has a love. She supports you. There's, there's a passion for the animals as well through her. Was it something that was there from the beginning when you guys got together? Or was that, was that a learned effort? Was that a forced effort for you? Um, no. And yes. Um, I, I always, at the time frame, I always looked for people that, we're into animals of some sort, whether it be dogs, cats, birds, fish, whatever, because then there's at least a common ground. And if it's a rare type animal, even better, so to speak. You have a, you have a neutral ground you can meet on with rare animals. Um, so she was a vet tech uh, back in Arizona. And so she was used to working on dogs and cats and everything else. So animals didn't really scare her and she loves them. She loves every animal on the planet. Um, and it was one of those things where I told her and she was kind of hesitant, but at the same time curious. And so I took out at the time she was like 14 or 15 years old. It's my 24 year old. Now I took her out to hand her to her. Cause I can literally hand that snake to anybody. I take her to kids shows, birthday parties, everything. I mean, I can walk away. It's, she's bulletproof beyond bulletproof. Um, and she fell in love. She's like, Oh my God, this is relaxing. Cause of the coolness, our body, takes that coolness. And if you've had a long day at work, shoo, ain't nothing better. Um, and then she kind of got into the lizards a little bit and it just, it kind of grew and we went and 
learn different things, experience different stuff. And over the years, we've just, we've always held a close, a close love for reptiles. I mean, we've got a, uh, she's probably almost 11 feet granite berm. That's her baby. I do the heavy lifting, but when it's at, when she's out, I lose the snake and I'm just left like, Oh, that's right. Cause it's hard for her to pull her out with the, the weight of the snake and the angle and everything else. She's like, can you get in there and get her? I'm like, yeah, I'll go grab her. No problem. But it's the same thing with our frog. She absolutely loves our frog. That's one of her babies. You know, it's just, we all, we each have a love for animals and whichever animal we can safely take care of and provide the right atmosphere. We are 100% on board with owning. If we cannot give it, because I told her that when we looked at getting frogs again, I was like, I would love to, but I never had good luck back way back when so i told her like some of that would be experience and i didn't have nearly the knowledge that's available today and the guy that we got her from actually builds the the whole viv it's a live viv type deal and it's all it's really easy to maintain so it works out great it's two years old almost i haven't killed it yet so hell yeah um but as for our frog and i told her i was like as long as we can create an environment that matches what they need i was like then i will get a frog now i'm like okay we're two years in i'm ready for some more like, let's go get like four more sets. Come on. Because we end up throwing <laughs> we end up throwing away fruit flies. Right. Because we have to order so many, but they don't get they, they only eat so many. And so we end up with these half-eaten bins, basically. And I'm like, we need more frogs. <laughs> just for pets. Just for pets. So you guys started with reptiles. When did it when did you make the decision that you needed to breed your own rats? And when did it grow into what it is now for the Odessa area? So, um, when I moved from Arizona to Texas in 2012, 11 or 12, um, there were a couple local pet shops that would sell feeders, but they didn't have really the clientele to keep up with my demand plus their regular customers. Right. I didn't even have that many snakes back then. I think I only had 39 or 41. Not that many. I mean, I mean, I had comparatively, to... no, I, I understand what you say, but like to the average person, 39 or 40 animals of any species is freaking ridiculous. This is true. This is true. So, um, not it... talking about what we have now. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no. Or what I've hatched the last 10 days. <laughs> I think it's about 60. <laughs> um, so we were able to get feeders. That's why you were laughing earlier. What? When I said I had only produced 60 total, you're like, oh, oh I did that 10 days. Yeah, well, I wasn't laughing. Like I, said, I wasn't laughing at you. I was laughing at the fact that I'm thinking I'm having a terrible year. And then you say that. And yeah, anyway. Um, so it got to the point where we could, we could lock down feeders every other week, best case scenario. So I was more or less forced to maintenance feed most of my, almost all of them at the time were adults. And so that pretty much shut down breeding. Right. And the next year it got worse, not better to where I could lock down that order once a month. And then we started driving to Lubbock on the off because they like, oh, we can supply you once a month. So I was back to two orders a month. And I think it was the third or fourth trip to Lubbock 
and on the way back I lost like half of them from the heat because it was during the summer. Mm. Even though I was in an AC car and everything else, it didn't matter. It was still too damn right. hot. They were overheated. And I was like, this is this is stupid. I was like, I'm literally, literally throwing time and money away. I was like, that's it. Called up uh, the pet shop I used to buy all of my feeders from in Arizona. I was like, hey, man, I need a huge favor. He was like, what's up? I was like, I need 100 female rats and 25 male rats. He was like, when? I was like, by Christmas. He was like, I can get you half that will be adults and half that will be weaned or smalls. I'm like, perfect. I was like, I'm also going to need to put in an order for 150 small mediums. And he was like, for when? I was like, Christmas. He was like, that might be a little bit harder. I was like, as close as you can get would be appreciated. He was like, okay, no problem. So I get there, and I think we came home with almost the entire order. It was like three and a quarter, 315, 320, something like that. Um, and so I set it up, and we were it was itty-bitty. I mean, it was barely... 15 tubs, maybe 20. wasn't much in the beginning. And then the one thing that always catches us off guard is when they start producing, and all of a sudden you go from no babies to, holy shit, I got babies everywhere. Um, and so that was probably twenty, the summer of 2013, 2014 okay. maybe. I'm trying to remember, 13 or 14. We started breeding our own because I got tired of not being able to breed any of my animals for one, two, losing so much time that I could have been home with my family or been doing other things productive. Uh, I was like, no, this is, this is it. So I started it for that sole purpose and to help any of my friends in Odessa that needed feeders that couldn't get them because they would just run out too fast. Um, and that was, and it, it was funny in the beginning, all I wanted to do was just help my friends. It wasn't set up, but word of mouth, just let it fly. And all of a sudden I'm building more rat racks, then I'm moving into a storage shed, then I'm insulating a storage shed, then I'm doing this, then I'm building three more rat racks. And all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, when did we get this big? It, it just, it doesn't feel like it went that quickly in time, but it was, and it's crazy still. Like I'll go out there tonight to grab almost 200 weaned. <laughs> soon soon oh it's coming i just coming, I, I put man. another rack together and they're on like i think this is their second week together so the next week or two we should start seeing nice. some yep. things yep yeah i gotta build another one hopefully in the month get one more uh one more breeding rack up and then probably probably set up another maternity rack just just in case there's a fallout because there's always you, you get up there everything's just chugging right along and then all of a sudden it's like the floor falls out and there's nothing and it's not that there's anything wrong it's just that you hit that one week where everybody's off cycle and you're like oh about this i need feeders now right and see I, I completely feel it because I was like, so when I initially started it with you or when I initially started, it was just to feed myself. Right. Right. Or feed my animals, feed myself. That sounded really bad. That yeah, needs to be an edit out. Can't do it. It's alive. <laughs> sounded horrible. 
uh, just to feed my collection. And then uh, I lost everything, obviously, because I messed up and I didn't get the ACs in fast enough. And I was like, well, I have like I have this little standalone AC and I have a bunch of fans and the air movement and I should be good. I wasn't good. Um, so I went and I put in the way oversized mini split this year after I got babies from you because I was like, I'm never going to do that again. Like if I walk in there with a freaking t-shirt and shorts on, I'm shivering yeah. because my house stays at 75. My house doesn't drop below 75. And then I go in there and that's at 70 and that five degree difference, like sends me into shivers. Oh yeah. It's and, cold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so my buddy Christian here, How happy uh, are you? Christian's a great dude. He, uh, He's very much promotes his friends, which I I've, I very much appreciate. But like, I had to tell him this week. Actually, I was like, "Dude, don't tell anybody else I have feeders at this point. <laughs> like, I, I'm running out of the ability to yeah, cover okay. orders. I'm oh, gonna have knows. to expand again." But it's like, it, it's funny how it starts out from just okay. Well, I need to take care of me and maybe some maybe some friends and then it just blossoms. It's just, it's organic growth and that's the way you want it to be. But, um, when you, when you first started, were you doing a colony breeding? Were you doing the maternity breeding? Had yeah. you even thought about any of this or were you just like, I'm going to throw these together and hope for the best. Um, it was the no, no way. The um, no, no way. Yeah. Um, you live and learn through life. So, I did not start off breeding rats correctly uh, early on. We'll just put it at that. Um, I, they were in they were in ten gallon fish tanks. So now they had great ventilation. They were in the house. The temps, everything was that aspect was fine. Um, it was just the the ability for fresh air to get into a ten gallon to correctly air it out is next to nothing. Um, and I know that now because God, I hate I hated dealing with cleaning them. It was always terrible to clean those things. Um, but no, I started with, it was 15 1.3s, I think. And then I had extras on the side or something. Um, and yeah, it was just colony breeding. There's absolutely nothing wrong with colony breeding. Um, as long as your lines are good, you can absolutely colony breed. Um, I only do maternity because it allows me to have an influx of anywhere from 100 to 180 females. And so during baby season, sometimes I'll actually get that to break 225, uh, where I've got 225 adult females extra in rotation versus what I could actually hold in just the breeding tubs. Or I would have to double the breeding tub amount versus just having the maternity tubs. So okay. it's kind of like a, you just take them when they're pregnant and let them go do their thing and Put another girl in her place. Here you go, homie. Have fun in part five. Right. I, I, it's funny, dude. Like, I didn't think they would be... I didn't think they'd be so finicky when I first started, right? Like, I had AFS, ASFs when I... And I messed up with this. I should have kept ASFs. I never should have let the ASFs go, man. Never should have let the ASFs go. But I messed up, and now I'm having a hell of a time trying to find them again. But, um... So I started with that in a fish tank because I didn't know any better. Like, well, they do it at the pet shops. It's good enough for me. Right. But um, so we did that. We got out of it. And because uh, my wife, 
my wife was pregnant with, I think our second child at the time. And she just, she couldn't deal right. with the yeah. smell when she opened Ammonia. the door, yeah, door to the garage. Yeah. And, uh, so got out of it and I started doing frozen thawed and I did that for probably a year, year and a half. And she's like, I can't do this anymore. It's getting too high up and I want to breathe. And I really want to make something out of this came back, did it in colonies. And uh, I don't think that I'll switch from that, but, uh, it's funny how I don't even know the word to say it, you know, like how different each rat is. Like I have a male right now that if you don't have four females in there with him, he's not doing anything. He's not going to touch any of them. I have one that if he doesn't have five females in with him, he's not going to touch any of them. He has to have that or it's not going to happen. And then most of them are like 1.3 or something like that. Cause the guys just, they can't deal with the females and the females right. overpower. But, um, those two males, man, like they're super finicky. And if one of them gets old and you're not paying like one of the females starts getting old and you're not on your rotation, it all production stops. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Oh, okay. I know what I did wrong, but no, I don't know if that's going to pass down to their babies or anything, but I specifically mark out the males that come out of those two colonies to see if it passes down genetically. Hey, so I was looking at the comments and I don't know if Will's hella heat's still here, but if he wants to send me a friend request or whatever on Facebook, I'll be happy to to send him information on those. I don't know if I missed something. Um, he asked for oh uh, the canyon and clockwork yeah. yeah yeah i just don't want to derail it too much on that that and i'm hoping to find the super for one of them this year so when when you jumped into the rats you started as colonies when did you decide to switch over to maternity like what uh, made you decide what you're using for bedding and stuff like that or like for your feed and your supplementation and stuff like that because i've it's something that I'm constantly messing around with, right? So what what made you decide on the stuff that you're using for? Uh, all right, so F colony F breeding, I can answer that one easier. The other two are really crappy explanations. It's just reality. Um, colony breeding came down to a numbers deal. Is I had run out of space in before we moved here. Uh, the old place that we were at, I ran out of space for another... Rack. But I was like, if I have something on wheels that I can move around that's this size, I could put a rack here. And so I built one to test it and see how it worked. And I'm not going to say you get better offspring from it, like size-wise or any of that. Um, there's times where I'm like, dang, I feel like I do. And then there's other times where it feels like it's six one way, half a dozen the other. So I'm not going to go either which way both ways have always worked i still have colony breeding because sometimes my maternity years are full so the pregnant females just hang out in there so um as far as food the only food i can get here is missouri so i don't have a choice uh the tractor supplies around us uh barely ever get doggy bag in so i couldn't even give that a try if i wanted to the few times they did they left it on the back dock and it got soaking wet and how often does it rain in Texas? So who knows how old that doggy bag was to begin with. Right. That's, um, and that's I asked, nasty. Yeah. 
and I asked if I could order stuff. They want it, it's Odessa, man. They suck. Um, betting, I do have a few other options, but since I can only get Missouri, I pick up the betting from the guy I get my Missouri from. So it's one stop shopping. Um, Makes sense. And you probably get a little bit better of a deal because you're doing everything right there with him. But... No, Hopefully. but well, no. yes. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, I, I, I get a deal in a different way. So that's a yes and a no, Will. Um, so it depends on who you talk to. Actually, Doggy Bag and Doggy Bag and Retriever are both tractor supply companies. Um, but if you look at the retriever, the retriever's like three or four percent higher in protein. So they they changed the formula and they ran that. But that's the one that's more popular right now. So um I talked to I talked to our local tractor supplies and I was like, I need to know what you have on hand because people are saying when they're out in the store that they're gonna they're not bringing any more into the store. They haven't said anything about the skew itself though. So uh, I, I'm lucky enough. I have a place where if I order it online, they'll just drop it off. Yeah. And it's drop shipping and it's whatever. But um, so if they don't destroy the skew, we're still good. If not. I'm going to have to find another route. And I've been in talks with Missouri and just, I think it's Lentz or there's a uh, Kent something like that. Too. And there's another company that I've heard of that might be coming out this way. And I'm kind of hoping that I can get it just to try it. Not that I've had any problems with Missouri. I'm just tired of paying for it. Right. No, I don't, I don't blame you. It's, it's kind of hard when they're hiking up prices even higher than they were. And I think it's what, the, like uh, $35, $36 a bag right now. Yeah, bag of rat food's gone up five bucks this year per bag. And in the last three years, it's only gone up a dollar fifty a bag total. So I was I went back and looked at all of my receipts. I was like, I know I'm not losing my damn mind. Like it hurts. Yeah, there's a um and I know Earl from Lone Star Reptiles, he so he formulated his own rodent food. I haven't tried it out yet. I'm a bad mentee. It's just like, so when I go up to Arlington, I, I go up kind of crammed in the first place. So it's just not smart. And like every time that Arlington's around, I have to, we drive and there's always a storm in Texas. And it's like, I don't want to throw it in the bed of my truck. If I do that, there's a possibility I'm going to hit that storm and it's going to get rain. And then I'm going to spend all that money and just like have soggy food by the time I get home. But, um, right. yep. I think this time I'm just going to have to like rent a little mini U-Haul trailer or something and tow it on. The I back. was, I was debating. And if I can get everything sorted from this year done, I'm going to build a second building. Cause I've got plenty of yard to do it. And I'm going to build a second building, actually build it to be the rat room. So that way where the rats are currently, um, can become a permanent storage room so I'll, i can order stuff by the pallets and just store it right. i mean i go through a pallet of freaking missouri a month mm. like, there's no reason why i shouldn't just order a pallet i have nowhere to put it i mean i have the space that, that kind of frustrates me too like their policy on selling mm -hmm. online oh yep. we can't sell but the individual bag we don't sell nope. bulk to the general public online like nope. get the Get yeah. the fuck out of here, man. Like, and remember earlier, I was like, you don't want to give a deal on your shit is what it is. Yep. 
So that, that, that piece, and then the other piece that I want to try and figure out is if I can get, and it's all, it's all time, well, finances too, financially motivated. Right. Uh, it's all time related because we're in the works of getting our electric box redone for our house, which in turn is going to redo the electrical for the rat room, which will be awesome. Just knowing that it's all up, like it'll just take a little bit of pressure of me worrying about the rat room shutting off one day and coming home to what you came home to. Um, that's always one of my biggest fears. I had that at the old house. So I knew that it would take a lot to shut that room down. It took negative 14 degrees to shut that room. Mm. So I want to build this one to be the same way for at least now I can always turn it into a warehouse workshop, whatever in the future. But, um, if I can get that built, then I'm hoping to be able to carry Missouri myself and just order it by the pallet or two at a time. Um, however many bags I can get stored because I'm just tired of paying it. The cost is, everything's just gone up. <laughs> right. It's only going to continue, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, the weather, the storm. Right. Got to be a passion project to stay in this. Got to be a passion project. Yep. Uh, yep. So with, with you being in, it's been, it's been what, about 12, 14 years now. Maybe a little. I might be off on that. Um, close. Anyways, with you being in the time that you have, where do you think you want to grow Snakenstein? Or like, what's what's the happy point for Chris? Or what's the overall vision for? Um, from project standpoint i'm still i have 10 years worth of projects that i saw i still want to try and see uh, uh some of them are animals i don't even own yet or aren't available yet i mean it's it's one of those things where um it's it it's been a dream of mine for a long time uh i don't foresee ever having to shift that focus um, so reality is I just want to push, I don't even know what pick. There's so many things that I still have, I still have a desire for. Um, I, I really, it, and it's not, so, it's not in a complicated way. There's just so many projects that have been blown wide open, but left untouched. Perfect example in Justin did it. And I was surprised that he did it the way he did it. Maybe a lot of people didn't catch on because of the way he did it. I don't know. But when he figured out that chocolate and spot nose were allelic and that you could only make a dark night with chocolate and spot nose, you can't have it from one animal and get them. I was expecting to see a lot more push. Have we seen, uh, what else have we seen? Chocolate, spot nose, anything, not just clowns. A chocolate right. spot nose by itself is absolutely amazing. Put Desert Ghost on it. Put Hypo on it, for God's sakes. Throw another gene in there. Throw another incomplete. Just another simple incomplete. Like, we have not seen those pieces that will then open, hey, you know what would work good here besides clown? Because spot nose is king and clown, so it's already. But add this to that. Add this to this. What else can you add to increase X, Y, or Z? And I sit there and I look at some of these projects and it's, it just blows my mind. 
Like everyone's always like, man, I love puzzle, but it's always so so dominating. I heard the same thing about pinstripe. You can you can break pinstripe. You can absolutely change the color. You can absolutely reduce the pattern. You can absolutely make it do crazy things. So there's a gene out there that'll do that to puzzle. And there's one in my mind right now. And it kind of worked out that I hatched a female puzzle because I needed that because I have the male other end counterpart to make this start. And of course, I saw somebody was doing the pairing this year. I was like, God dang it, I'm three years off. That's okay. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna do it, regardless of what happens. Never know. It's all what comes out of those eggs, bro. Yeah, and I mean, in I, I just had an amazing clutch. They're in. They're coming out of shed right now. It's a clutch I'm super pumped for. It's uh, Enchi Asphalt Desert Ghost and and stuff below that. So that's the best I can get. But I think I got a couple of those. I think I got an Asphalt Desert Ghost too. And I was all excited. The one thing that I prayed to the odds gods for on that clutch was a visual asphalt desert ghost male just one of those in that clutch and i was golden add the inch or not didn't matter that was what i wanted from that clutch well i think i got that times two or three the entire clutch is males the entire clutch is males i was like okay odds gods you heard me on the boy part i got it i won't ever ask again <laughs> I just needed one male. I only specified one, not seven. <laughs> but you know, and, and there's so many things that I think about where it's like I'm a I'm an average I'm just me. Like I'm just a guy who has wild ideas and wants to see stuff hatch. You know, and it's like I sit in here and I'm looking and I'm looking, I'm digging and digging. I'm like, how in the hell has this not been hatched yet? How do how have we not seen this? It's all I'll just write it down. I'll be like, well, I can do that with this gene instead. Oh, that hasn't been done either. You know, and it's not it's not about world's firsts because that's so hard to document because so many breeders don't show the stuff that they're most prized about, especially the older guys, the older breeders. And I get it, but at the same time, it's like you already have it. Wouldn't you want the rest of us to want like, oh, you know what? I want this and that. I don't know. It's just that's just a me thing. It, it goes back to the the poshets from earlier. It's just one of those. Things. Well, I think it's so. It's cool, man. Like, I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm totally against it. I I obviously, when you're trying to build a name for yourself, you you kind of need that in some aspect because yeah. you need to find a way to find recognition, right? I'm not saying it like in a positive or negative way. So like there's a couple of pairings I'm doing this year that no one's ever done and it will create worlds first, but am I doing it for the world's first this year? Absolutely freaking not because it's, it's just the stepping stone, right? I want to make something better. And I think that that, that world's first and doing it is what's going to create that better because I need that combination and push forward. I'm just lucky enough that no one else has thought about doing that until now. Right. No, and, and I get it, but it's like, at the same time, the, the thought process I had that somebody's preparing for right now, we'll get eggs this fall, I know he will, there's zero doubt, is it's either a paint or a sentinel, same difference, to a puzzle combo. So he's making paint, sent, paint puzzle double heads. Because paint's going to absolutely obliterate, or it's going to spot and check our puzzle like we've never seen. I know it will. I have 100 You're talking about Limey? No. John Dyer. Okay, okay. 
Oh no, Limey's got some other no. Limey's got some stupid Batman. paint stuff going on right now. Batman's got stuff hiding. And if Limey watches this episode, love you, bro. You need to come on here. Good luck. Right. We only, we only get right. to see this much of. <laughs> this is what we get to see of Limey. <laughs> and apparently he was in arlington either september of last year or february and he made rounds and, and no left. one realized who no the hell he was <laughs> yep i'm like man i told him too and i'm sure he came by my booth i'm like 99 sure because i started thinking about it sunday at like four o'clock i was like Oh yeah, Limey was supposed to be by this weekend. I was like, dang, hope I didn't ignore him. And I was remembering somebody had this really pretty tattoo that kept catching my eye. And I'm like, son of a bitch. I bet that was him that I talked to for like 30 minutes. Because I always keep eye contact when I'm talking to somebody. And I, I just caught it out of the corner of my eyes as he was walking away. And I was like, I bet that was, and you just played it off. <laughs> Love that kooky bastard. He's good people. He's great. He's, people, man. he's, he's another one of those ridiculous animals. Like he's, he's one overall. of those people that you have to allow yourself to be around long enough to realize he's just trying to have fun. And he wants people to be positive. Like he's British. <laughs> so let's 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 talk about it with um, what I like to kind of wrap up with, and that's that's for the newcomers, right? Like we could go deep into your projects. Um, I think we've talked about quite a few already, and that's something that I I like to create that one on one. So what I like, what I really honestly see in this podcast is actually getting to know the person. Like we talk about you and what you do, but. I want this to be, that's why I called it outside because it shouldn't just be the animals. It's about the person as well. Um, and I've said this and it, it sounds funny to some people, I guess, but like, I don't, as much as I care about the animals, I don't care about the animals. I care about the person behind the brand. Um, and that's what drew me to you. That's what drew me to a lot of the people that I've bought from is it's not, it's not just their brand. It's them as people, right? And this was my way to give back and be like, okay, well, I, I've built and I'm starting to see progression and I want to give love back to the people that have helped me get here in whatever manner. And if people could see that glimpse of that glimpse of a good soul or whatever you want to call it, like that personality behind a person that made me want to know them more and make me really enjoy them, then hopefully that brings something to you as well. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. For newcomers, man, what, what's your first piece of advice? And like, what's the biggest piece of advice that you give to people when they say, Hey, I'm getting into reptiles or I think I want to breed reptiles. Um, getting into reptiles. I'll cover that one first. Uh, I get a lot of people that uh, either message me uh, on our business page or me just personally. Don't matter. Either way is fine. Um, actually, I prefer me personally. It's easier to keep track of stuff, but I'm not picky. Um, it's always, I, 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 I figure out what kind of animal they're looking for first. 
I'm like, what are you looking to get? So that way I can attack, set up, husbandry, types of prey, yada, 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 that they're going to need. Um, and I don't steer them necessarily away from the big box stores, being Petco, PetSmart, because they are, in some cities, the only reliable source of equipment that people can get outside of ordering online. So if, you, if something breaks and you need it on the fly, yes, go hit one of those up really quick. But otherwise, the rest of it, I don't even direct them there um, at all. It's just I don't discredit them. I just tell them not to use their information for husbandry. Um, just go there for the supplies and leave. But I don't even like giving them that much credit. Um, and I will sit down and talk with them. I haven't owned every reptile on the planet. But I've owned probably close to enough from every category to be able to cover... Is that going to be a good pet or not? Is that going to be something you're going to have fun with? Is there enjoyment in that? Or is it going to be something where the kids are bored in a month and it's going to be on Craigslist because it bit your dog or it bit your cat or it bit your kid or it got out and ran across your living room and scared the hell out of you or whatever. Um, so I try to kind of vet them. Even if they're not buying a snake, it's a lizard, it's a frog, it's a salamander, it's a different kind of snake. It's not a ball python. It's a corn snake or a king snake or whatever. So I kind of try to help them figure that piece out. And sometimes in the middle of those conversations, they'll be like, okay, hold on. This is way above what I understand. This isn't the pet for me. Yeah, you got you to gotta dummy it down for them. Sometimes. And, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Well, what, what confused you or what, are, what, what th- makes you think that? Because they're not. They're very easy. They're very accommodable pets. You can handle one of these. You just need to do these things. Is it a word I used? You know, so I'll go back and I'll reread it and I'll reword stuff and restructure. And sometimes it's the size. They don't realize how big certain things get or they haven't done enough research to realize that it's not including tail or it's five feet with tail or whatever. So um, that's kind of the direction I generally take. Unless someone's messaging me with, hey, here's my setup. How do I improve it? Okay, that's a different conversation. Um, as far as someone wanting to breed with livestock comes dead stock. Are you prepared to have to either kill an animal one way or another? And, or are you prepared to have something that you think is going to hatch, not hatch mentally and emotionally? Can you handle that? And I don't necessarily always start it that way, but if it's, if I kind of get the vibe where they think they're going to make a million bucks next year, I'll start it that way. And that's, that's one of the scary things, man. Like, especially right now, like where the level that I'm at with only doing five to 10 clutches a year, it's not a big deal. You don't have a lot of odds to really have something hit. You know what I mean? Well, like not hit, but like something bad to go wrong. You know what I mean? And it, it happened my very first clutch. I had an animal that hit the structure point and its head didn't form right. Like it, it had no bottom jaw. It was kinked everywhere. No idea why. Beautiful coloration. Like it got its full scales. Everything looked fine. And I opened it up and its chest cavities open and its stomach's open and it never absorbed anything. Its heart's hanging out of its chest and it's just like, this is not this is not how you want to start your career, but no. it's what happens. Yeah. Um and, and but 
in a more more common term because that's a very extreme example but it's one that i definitely try to bring up if it's somebody that's messaging me that i've already known has produced stuff i'm not that that way but if it's somebody that, that hasn't produced anything i need them to understand that you have a responsibility not only for live animals but also the ones that aren't going to live yes it doesn't happen often but it's going to happen it's not if it's a matter of when and what time and i have two king snakes for that reason and i will tell you this feeding a king snake it's they don't they, they don't it's not pretty at all and whenever when i did it the first time the wife wanted to watch because she'd never seen it in person she's seen it on tv and that's always way different and 30 seconds in she's like i can't watch that and i was like no it's not going to be pretty and mother nature's way but the one thing that's really unique about that is usually my king snakes will start getting fussy if i haven't fed them at like seven eight days they'll like come up to the top of the cage when i walk by like chasing me down like hey stupid i feed them a snake two three weeks before they'll move and it's a hatchling so it's barely bigger than a small rat why because they don't spend the energy to digest fur a lot easier to digest scales so it's a much healthier meal, I think, for the snake. So, yeah, I was planning on a bigger season this year, and Tess was letting her kink, was working her way out, and she asked me if I wanted her kink snake. I was like, does she eat snakes? And she was like, yes, she does. That was why I had her. And I was like, I'd love to have her. Because there was a couple times last year where it was close, and I was afraid he wasn't going to take because I had a failure to thrive baby, and then I had a baby with a slight kink, but it was right at the back of the neck. Mm. and it came out and it, it slithered and then within 30 minutes it passed and I was like I'm not going to waste it went and offered it to him and he ate it but I was like he ain't going to move for a month because it was like two it was like a one week gap so it was like three weeks he had two right. yeah. I was like he ain't going to move for a month and he went under his hide and I didn't see him until he shed <laughs> and that's I mean that's kind of as much as people give Sorry. I don't know if you heard that, but no, I didn't hear it. Okay, good. The microphone's working then. <laughs> as intended. Yeah. Um as much as people give crap to like the YouTubers for what they do, I don't think they understand like that wasted life shouldn't be wasted. And it's a hard thing to go through sometimes. Like even, even after they pass, man, like I have a buddy here locally that does wet specimens and we're like, well, maybe we should just give it to him. Or, uh, I've had people hit me up and they're like, Hey, if you have dead animals, we do wet specimens. So at least there's something with it. Or like I have two king snakes that'll eat snakes now. And I have. Hey, real quick. Let me ask you a question. Are Hold on, king- Gabriel. Go ahead. Are, are your king snakes pets? Do you handle huh? them a lot? Are your king snakes pets? Yeah. Do you handle them a lot? Yeah. Stop. Why? If they're, if they're eating snakes for you consistently, then you're lucky. Because the one knucklehead I got... He- well, I've, I've only had to have them do it one time. And I, yeah. I didn't enjoy watching it, but... I, I think it's one of those things where... One of mine's broken, the other one's normal. But you need to keep them with that wild mentality. The, the, my male, 
he's he's very flighty, very non king snake like, and I've never worked with him, but he never he's not refused. He's probably eaten fifteen or sixteen snakes for me over the last couple years, and uh, the female on the other hand, she's a pet. Uh, you can take her out, you can hold her. She's not flighty, and she'll take care of business too. So I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying if one of them doesn't take it, it's because they're kind of desensitized to it. So you're going to have to wiggle it around and do like you're doing to feed a baby ball python. I promise you want to eat this. So he he has got me. I'll, I'll say this. The one snake that I had to feed him, after he digested it and he pooped it everywhere, he took my finger and he got way down on my finger and uh <laughs> but since then the since he's just been on rodents since i haven't had an issue with him i actually i took him to a show and did a presentation with him and yep no defensive yeah, sign no nothing lock, but that unlocks that king part in the back of their brain yeah. like they just know like oh i can eat anything your finger too <laughs> <laughs> But it is what it is. Survival of the fittest in the world, man. It is. But no, a a lot of what I end up doing, going back to your question to finish it off for people that ask me about breeding and just looking for suggestions, recommendations, tips, whatever you want to call it. um, I I always go to the number one thing that I've underestimated since day one was infrastructure, 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 infrastructure and feeders. You're only going to get as big as your infrastructure is going to allow, and you're only going to breed and house as many animals as you can feed. Because at the end of the day, nobody likes paying for a rodent bill for feeders. Plain and simple. And, and I'm not saying that you need to breed rats to be a breeder. I know many breeders that don't. They just buy frozen thawed because it's more in line with how it works for their operation. I get it. I can feed all of my adults frozen thawed, with the exception of six, four, six. Six of them won't take frozen thawed. They just won't touch it, no matter what I do. I can blow dry it. I can hot dip it. I can have it thawing out. I can have it 105 degrees. I can have it zombie walking, zombie dancing, zombie back flipping, zombie twisting, doing the zomba macarena, whatever. It ain't going to touch it. She'll just sit there and look at me. Unless she's got follicles, then she'll take a frozen thought. But if she's just sitting regular year time, go fly kite. Yeah, get 100%. Like, that's that's exactly why I went back. Like, everything ate frozen thought. I even... Now, granted, it took me a lot longer my first year to get babies to take frozen thought. Oh, like, getting you. them on live is so much easier. Yeah. But the <laughs> money that the money aspect of frozen thought just killed me, man. Like throw in $300 a week, which is nothing for some people, but like, no, it's all, it's when, when I didn't have a big collection, I only had like 40 snakes. So saying $300 every week or every couple of weeks for feeders between shipping and all that is a lot. Yeah. And, uh, now it takes me, it takes me like 300 eighty dollars doing live to feed my collection at a hundred plus animals now plus supply a lot of people with their feeders for the week so 
I mean, it's it, it's all on what you want to do. And I think a lot of the thing with Frozen is just the, the luxury that yeah, it brings it, with it. So I, I definitely, when, when I, cause I'll, I'll, I'll have to supplement on Frozen Thought. Sometimes it's just back stockpile of my stuff. Sometimes I have to buy Frozen Thought because I'm stuck on sizes. But the one thing that I've always enjoyed about Frozen Thought is I can feed them very quickly, very, very quickly versus the live. It's sorting them, gathering them all together, getting them ready, whatever. But um, that and most of my snakes are very well behaved, so they don't make me tell them. I can literally just throw it over the tub and they're going to come snatch it and do their thing. So, um, which I really appreciate. The one thing that I hate about Frozen Thawed is when you miscount how many you needed and you got to throw them away. And you're like, I just might as well throw my wallet away. Ouch. I've done that. I, I pulled out, I needed a hundred mediums. And for whatever reason, I pulled out 150. Throw 50 medium rats away. I want to talk about a sad, sad day. Now, granted, it was at the beginning of breeding season, so I was able to feed probably about half of those to some females that are bigger boned. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You hear me now okay um sorry so th that's the thing i hate about frozen thought though like it's just either find something that can eat more which you don't want to do all the time either like you i i hate honestly i hate feeding more than one rodent a week to any of them um that's just my mentality i don't now granted there's some like the retic where i'll throw a couple at them just because i know she can handle it but I feel horrible about doing it because she sits there. Like there, there's days where it's just like, especially when I had frozen thought and before she got some size to her, it's like I need you to eat like four or five small rats, and you're only like four foot long, and it's way too much. Yeah. And uh, so I got to where I was, I'd give her like two or three, and she'd eat them. Like that fourth and fifth isn't going down there. So I'm just going to throw it. And then it's always the beginning of the week. I don't know why I chose the feed at the beginning of the week, but it, that's my schedule. That's the way it works. I do it at the beginning of the week. So you have it sitting in your trash outside for a week until they pick it up on Friday. And you're just like, it stinks. It stinks so bad every time I step outside. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I understand that one all too well. But, yep. Yeah. I feel Man, everyone has their way and I think that's important. And yeah. I, I appreciate you for being very open about your way. There's some people that don't like to speak about how they do some things. They're nervous about how the general public will think, man. And I think that's something that needs to be lost from this hobby. Like, obviously there's, there's things that people will look at and say, you're wrong for doing, but everyone has to do things their own way. And just because whether it's husbandry, whether it's feeding, whether it's anything, right? We all have to do it a little bit different from each other. 
Is it saying that someone's wrong or someone's right? Absolutely not. I think as long as you're doing it ethically, that's the main point, right? Um, yep. I, and, and I'm going to try and phrase this correctly. I know that I have done a lot more wrong over the last 25 years almost than I have right. I mean, I kept in glass tanks like a lot of people did in the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, I had improper betting. I had terrible husbandry. I've done all of the things that we know today to tell new keepers, new breeders, new hobbyists not to do. But what they don't realize is that we're not coming from a place of you did it wrong. You're understanding it wrong. We're coming from a place of we've done it wrong. I've, I know the consequences of doing it wrong. I don't want to see your animal suffer. Please just fix this or that or whatever. 100%. No, there you know? like there shouldn't be suffering. I remember when I first came in, the heat rock was the biggest fad, right? And you didn't need a thermostat because this could only get so hot. Yep. Charcoal ball python, anybody? Or boa? Corn snake? On uh, the AstroTurf green carpet? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good stuff right there. Yeah. Great stuff. Industry standard leading the way. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing, though, is there's places that people trust to get information from that give incorrect information. I'm not going to say the word wrong because the word wrong implies that what you're fixing to say is right. What I mean is, is that there are many ways to achieve the proper idea the concept that needs to be achieved. If you are achieving that, awesome, perfect. If you're not, what can we do to help you get there? Well, I think that's what a lot of people forget about, man, is this is is a forever learning experience, right? Just because you've done something successfully for a number of years doesn't mean you can't improve upon the way you do it or what you're doing. It's just... It's taking the time to realize there might be a better way and forever being a student. Yeah. Glass is half full or half empty, whatever. So I, I don't want to ever leave an episode on like a solemn note. Right. So if you could take just a few moments and tell us your best experience so far in your number of years, like if you could pinpoint, to a specific time what has been the greatest moment since you've stepped into reptiles dun, dun. i need to load that on the soundboard dun, 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 and dun, well there's dun, a dun. lot that are in my like i do like five i've picked one you can tell me a few i'm good with that brother all right i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick three different three different types that way it covers a couple things but the first the one that stands out the most for me is the very first expo we ever did uh in arlington texas the reptile community at that expo welcomed us with open arms there was zero negativity and they were all awesome people and a lot of them are still my friends today uh james derling and heidi and jack gunlap 
JT, uh, Mike Brizzy, ton of those guys. They were all super supportive. Like half of them took me under their wing and took care of us at our first expo, like just to make us feel welcome. And that, that goes a long way to making somebody new to the scene of an expo. It was the first expo I'd ever done feel really good. So that, that one definitely is up there. The other one for me is when the wife and I went back east and we went and traveled a few things and understood that we could go and take a tour of NERD. Only to find out that the tours weren't available on the weekends. But they still did it. And we got to hang out in NERD for 10 hours. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. so, and then I'll leave it on this one. Um, playing with Gila monsters in the Sonoran Desert. I, I don't know that that yeah that that's kind of the, <laughs> that's, the, the that's the crème de la, de la crème. Yeah, it's like it was so during rainy season in in, in South Tucson. Uh, there's a, a chain of mountains at the base. After it rains, you can go there in the early morning and you can see Gila monsters moving around and doing their thing. So I was literally out there one morning, literally just chilling, watching Gila monsters move around before it got super hot. And it was, I was like a kid in the playground that, after, that, that rest of that day. Like nothing awesome. made, could ruin that day and that experience for me because I love Gila monsters. <laughs> it's so good until the end. There you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> no negative notes, man. No negative notes. Heck yeah. That's awesome, man. Bro, how so I have your links for your morph market and I believe your Instagram down below. No, your website. I have your website and your morph market down below. Um, if we want to reach out to you, what's the best way to contact you outside of that? Um whatever. Whatever. Facebook, <laughs> yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Messenger. Uh, I have a if you're lucky enough for- to have his phone number, I'm not gonna give that out, but if you're lucky enough to have it, use it. Just saying, I use it every chance I get. Love um, this dude. We have a we have a business phone. Um, the number's on the Morph Market account. Uh, that one's not checked as as much as the other social platforms are, just because it's hard to carry two phones. So, or not hard, but uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Like, which phone do I answer first? <laughs> work or work? Nice. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this weekend. Uh, I freaking, I love this man with all my heart. I really do. Um, love you, bro. Chris is a great dude. Make sure you check him out. Check out all his amazing animals and make sure you give him some love and tell him that Feely's, well, Feely's Clutch, Outside the Clutch, wherever you heard him, match. mention it. Damn it. I want to say huge thank you to our sponsors once again. And uh, like I said, give this guy some love. All right, you guys have a great weekend. Next week, I'm going to have another guy that's really inspired me throughout the years. Just a great personality. We're going to have Mr. Garrett Hartle from Reach Out Reptiles. Super stoked about that one. Uh, but for this weekend, go pound all his uh, social medias and let him know I sent you. Love you all. Have a good weekend. Do, do, do.